Hello, and welcome to the Letters from Our Fathers podcast, where we explore the actual history of America's founding fathers from their own written words and personal correspondence, but without modern partisan political ideologies. I am your host, Roman. Now let's learn some real history. Welcome back to the podcast where TLDR does not apply and the study of history is a way of life absolutely every single day of the week. This is the podcast where the message from the Founding Fathers carries the day, where the letters from our Founding Fathers is and always will be the instruction manual that came with the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the state constitutions for that matter. And we're going to read that instruction manual because how can you understand the machine without reading the instruction manual? The answer is you can't. I am going to read to you a correspondence from the Committee of Correspondence of Boston written to an Elijah Morton. This is in June, on June 19th of 1773. Let us continue going through these letters, and I will begin right now. Quote, The judicious and manly resolves of the town of Hatfield, passed at the adjournment of a legal meeting on the 31st of May last, have been laid before the Committee of Correspondence for the town of Boston. It affords us very great satisfaction to find that the attempts of this town to state the common rights of this colony and the many grievances we labor under have been judged by our brethren in Hatfield to be acceptable service, and that the thanks of that town does great honor to the metropolis. It has been the unremitted endeavor of the invaders of our rights and the tools they have employed to prevail on the people to believe that there have been no infringements made upon them and the artful publications which have frequently issued from one of the presses in this, in this town, in particular, had perhaps in some degree answered their purpose. But we have the pleasure to assure you that the letters we have lately received from every part of the province breathe the true sentiments and the spirit of liberty. There seems to be in every town an apprehension of fatal consequences from the illegal and unconstitutional measures which they have adopted. By the British Ministry, end quote. There we go again. Unconstitutional, according to the Committee of Correspondence by, from Boston. Basically, the people of Boston and their representatives regard these as unconstitutional me- measures. The Tea Act and the, the taxes and all the rest of it, we haven't gotten to the Intolerable Acts yet here, because this is again in 1773. But even before the Intolerable Acts, they believe they were unconstitutional. Isn't it interesting today that whenever somebody goes around saying that Well, some particular act is unconstitutional. People just kind of write them off as being a bunch of morons. That's unconstitutional. People just go, ah, you're a moron. Sit down, shut up. Back in the day, they understood this a lot better than we do today. Today, uh, people have, like I said, each generation in this country just gets dumber and dumber and dumber. Uh, And again, that's because we have become an education society, or excuse me, (laughs) the other way around. We have become an entertainment society instead of an education society. But we're trying to reverse that on this podcast. So uh, thank you to everybody who's here who uh, is very educated, much more so than the general population, I'm sure, as we try to unravel the the mysteries of what happened back in 1773, as articulated by Samuel Adams and others. Let us continue. Quote, Your expression is indeed pertinent, for for it has, as we think, abundantly appeared since you wrote by some extraordinary letters which have been published that the plan of our slavery was concerted here. And properly speaking, adopted by the British ministry, the plan indeed is concise. First, to take the people's money from them without their consent, 
and then to appropriate that money for the purpose of supporting an executive independent from them under the absolute control of the crown, or rather the ministry, end quote. Slavery. Why does he keep saying that? He said it in so many letters. Over and over and over again, this man says it, that the British ministry was trying to reduce these people to slavery. What is slavery? What does that even mean? What defines a slave? No rights. No privileges. No rights. No particular responsibilities either, by the way. You just simply exist as cattle for somebody else. That's what he thinks is going on here. Very interesting. Something to pay attention to. So if there's anybody in the world today, like the billionaires, for example, Roman, are you talking about something specific? No. But the billionaires today, if they talk about you, if they look at you, and they react to you like you're cattle, you should probably be very concerned. You ever notice how the billionaires talk about the rest of us like we're something that needs to be dealt with? That they need to do something about us? We're not human beings to these people, I'm telling you. And the politicians are really friends with those kind of people, by the way, the billionaires. I'm not making this up. Just look at who they hang out with, because that's where the money is. And if they see us as cattle, something to be dealt with, something that something needs to be done about, what do you think they're going to do to us? Quote, that the plan of our slavery was concerted here, and properly speaking, adopted by the British ministry, end quote. Something like that? Possibly. I'd be very concerned, because this is, by the way, this is the tendency of the history of the world. You know, Egypt didn't—ancient Egypt didn't accumulate all those slaves for no reason. I'm just putting it out there. This has been going on for many thousands of years. This isn't new, and it's never going to end, by the way, either. This is always going to be the tendency of these kind of people that Samuel Adams is talking about. This was not new in Samuel Adams' time. This has been done before. That's why he recognizes it. Continuing on, quote, It was formerly— The saying of an English tyrant, let me have judges at my command and make what laws you please. And herein he judged wisely for his purpose. For what security can the people expect from the most salutary laws if they are to be executed by the absolute dependence of a monarch? End quote. There's those judges again. Quote, let me have the judges at my command and make what laws you please. End quote. Now, do you know why it's dangerous for an executive to select judges like judges that are on the Supreme Court? Do you understand me now? In the previous episode, was I, was I somehow ambiguous, opaque, not clear? Is it clear now what Samuel Adams is saying and why I got a problem with that? Why I think that Supreme Court justices being a creature of the executive, which is what they are, Certainly while the executive is there and probably after he's gone. You understand why now I think that's a problem and why I call that part of the Constitution of the United States the blood clot to the brain? Are you feeling me now? Does it sound like I know what I'm talking about or am I just spitting into this microphone? Because Samuel Adams is painting a picture for me here and I'm starting to wonder if I'm the only one who's seeing it. Anybody feeling me out there? Leave a comment, leave a review on Apple Podcasts and let me know. Are you feeling it? Still think this is going to be solved on Groundhog's Day? Don't worry, Roman. We're just going to wait till Groundhog's Day, and we're going to solve the problem then. And everything everything will just happen like magic, and all of our problems will go away. Don't worry, Roman. It can't happen here. While you're saying that, this is the sound that the, the kind of people that Samuel Adams is talking about here, this is the sound that they're making while you're saying that stupid crap. Ha, 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 ha.
Let us continue. Quote, The nation cannot then wonder that not only the several towns of this province and their more private departments, but the representative body of the people in general court assembled are so greatly alarmed at this finishing stroke of the system of tyranny. That union of sentiments among the freemen of this colony, that firmness and resolution to make every constitutional stand against the effects of a corrupt administration which appears in the proceedings of so many towns already published to the world, must afford full conviction to the Earl of Dartmouth that the opposition is not, as was represented to his predecessor in office, an expiring faction, that the people of this province thus animated with a laudable zeal may be directed to the wisest measures for the defense and support of their common liberty is the ardent wish of this committee. We are with the warmest affection for our country and due regard to the town of Hatfield, sir, your assured friends and humble servants. End quote. I, I so enjoy this quote. That union of sentiments among the freemen of this colony, that firmness and resolution to make every constitutional stand against the effects of a corrupt administration. End quote. We have our marching orders. Quote, that the people of this province thus animated with a laudable zeal may be directed to the wisest measures for the defense and support of their common liberty is the ardent wish of this committee, end quote. Why is this so difficult? I mean, while other people behind the microphone are putting on theater for you, they're putting on a show to try to get you to go back to sleep, as Samuel Adams would describe it. While they're trying to tell you to go back to sleep, I'm sitting here sending a message from Samuel Adams, and he's telling you to wake up. There's a great difference between me and them. I don't know why I feel so failed by so many people in this country. But thank goodness not failed by the people who listen to this podcast and understand why the Founding Fathers and what they wrote was so doggone important. I really appreciate the work of the Committee of Correspondence of Boston on this document. I find it to be very informative. I find it to be inspiring. And it tells me a lot about what was going on at the time. And it should inform our decisions today so that we can maintain a better union. All of these lessons from the past help inform our decisions today so that we don't have to make the same mistakes twice, so that we can have domestic tranquility, and we can preserve the Union, and our independent states, and our frame of government, despite its flaws. For the most part, it's good, with the few problems I articulate, obviously. But I hope you got something out of this episode. If you have any comments, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That's where I check for the reviews and the comments. And I hope to see you on the next episode of this podcast. And with all that said, this is Roman signing out. Thank you.